to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Welcome. I'm so glad you're listening. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, or wives and mothers. Their examples are inspirational to us all. I'm Cheryl Broderson. Usually I'm in the studio with Robin Jones Gunn, but she's not able to make it today. But that's all right because I'm in here with a friend. And you know how excited we get when we actually get somebody who's still alive because we tend to talk about people who are historical and, you know, therefore um, buried or, you know, ashed someplace. And so I'm so excited to have um, uh, somebody who I know and really admire. And she happens to be in the States right now, but she's been a missionary since the 90s. And that is my friend, Kendall Kula. And so welcome, Kendall, to Women Worth Knowing. I'm so happy that you're in here. I'm getting a little excited. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm really excited to have you in studio. I'm a little even giddy about this. Um, I met you in Chilliberts in Hungary, and we were trying to figure out the date if it was like 90, I'm thinking 94, 95. I'm not sure. Maybe 93, 94, 95. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I know it was right after um, the uh, communism, the wall had come down, and it was like the first Christian... Uh, retreat when Hungary was not communist. So it must have been, I think, 93 or 94. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty exciting. I remember the food was like very, um, because it had been a communist camp before. Mm -hmm. And now they had indoctrinated into um, all these young students into communism. And now here we were renting the same place um, in order to bring people, you know, um, into the faith and to establish them in their faith in Jesus. And it was like, it was amazing. But the conditions were a little bit primitive. Very. <laughs> oh, good. It's like the chicken foot soup. I remember we went oh, to yes. open the bread and the bread had uh, mold on it. And we're like, okay, just eat around the mold. <laughs> but we did find, I have to say, this is so bad, but while we were there, we discovered Pizza Hut just like right down the street. So we kept like Brian would go outside. There was a telephone booth. Now I'm really dating ourselves. And he would call Pizza Hut and order a pizza, and he'd, he'd wait at the gate, and they would deliver it, and then he'd bring it to our little uh, concrete bungalow we were staying in. Wow, that's nice. We didn't know about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you were single then, Kendall. I had uh, four children and a friend of one of my kids that I was responsible for, and we were like, ah, we, we have to feed them something that's edible. So that's yes. how that all took place. So. When I met you there, you were single. I want to talk a little bit about um, how you got saved mm-hmm. and how you got called to the mission field. So first of all, how'd you get saved? Yeah, I was brought up in a religious family. And so I went to like catechism classes. And um, then and when I was about 16, I was at Ocean View High School in Huntington Beach. Right. And there was a great like outpouring of the spirit there. And um, a lot of people started going to this Baptist church right on Warner right there. And so I started going and I heard the gospel really for the first time. Wow. It's kind of strange. I've yes. been in church most of my life. But then I heard that. And when I was 16, I got um, saved. And um, I kept going the whole um, time I was in college or in um 
high school. And then my senior year, I started going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And I would say that's when I really started understanding the faith. I mean, I'm thankful for the Baptist church that I was going right, to. And, right. know, there was a lot of good things. But the teaching of the word and your that's dad, right. I mean, right. it, was just, it changed that's my right. life. It establishes you. Yeah. And I really understood, start, started to understand grace for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, because in the church that I was growing up in, it was you know, legalistic, I would say. And even in the Baptist church, sometimes I felt like I rules should didn't, yeah. should be born again, again, a yeah. lot of times. But then when I came, you know, to Costa Mesa, Calvary Chapel, I was like, wow. And I was just like really set free. So I would say that was like in 88, 89. And, and that's when you were, you were in college mm-hmm. and you were um, majoring in, did you major in education or was that? It was actually liberal studies okay. with an emphasis in English literature and then, you know, multi-subjects credential. I went f- five years to university at Cal State Long Beach and got my um, teaching credential. And then I was a sixth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I remember you told me when I met you in Hungary, you know, oh yeah, I'm a school teacher. And I thought, oh, all the boys must have the biggest crushes on you. That was like my first thought. It's like, oh, they must be in love with you. So how long did you teach school? I only taught for three years. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. You know, you went to university for five because the <laughs> fifth year to get your credential. And then it was really interesting. I was planning on going the next year and still teaching, of course. I thought that was going to be my career, right. right? And so one of my roommates, I was living in Santa Ana at the time, came home with a uh, flyer for a thing called Calvary Teams. And it was the very first Bible college, you know, that they had. And it was in Austria. Right. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, but then I'm the one that ended up going. I kept seeing that flyer and I just knew I was supposed to go. So I asked my school district mm-hmm. and I said, you know, do you do years leaves leaves of absence? And they said, yes, you can have one. So I went to my parents and which is kind of interesting. I was out of the house, but they had helped pay for college. Right, and stuff, right. And, you know, I told them what I wanted to do, and they were supportive. So I got my year's leave, and then that year was just incredible because mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'll just do a one semester at Bible college, and then I will do a short-term missions, and then I'll come back. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was there, you know, um, my roommates were Hungarian and different nationalities, but I was drawn to Hungarian, so I started learning some Hungarian And then um, some missionaries came in that were living in um, Hungary, and they said, you know, we really need someone to go to Estragol. That's Mm -hmm. right on the border of Slovakia, because so many women are getting saved, but we only have guys. Mm -hmm. Could you pray about it? And so I said yes. And then by by the end of the semester, I knew I was... going there. Mm-hmm. And then I went back for um, to California for Christmas. And then I went to Estragon. And I thought, well, I have about six months. But then it just turned into another year. And I asked for another year's leave of absence. They gave it to me. Then I asked for a third year's leave. And they said, no, we don't do that. Oh, so my goodness. Now it's 31 years later. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've never like lived back in the States. Yeah. But what a choice. Okay. So you went over there. And I think this is so important as a single woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you started the the Bible college and you weren't looking for a husband. Mm-hmm. You were just like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to serve Jesus. I want to. And you were teaching the women. Yes. And you're you're growing in your faith because there's nothing. Um, you really grow when you teach others mm-hmm. the Bible. I mean, it's like so fun. So how did you meet Kurt? Yeah. So in um Every year they did a missionary conference in Austria Mm -hmm. at the castle. And so Kurt was a single missionary in Poland, and I was a single missionary in Hungary, and we went to the missionary conference. 
And um, actually, people were like telling me about him before I went, just because we were both like 28. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, um, but he had he had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so my whole team was guys and Ildi, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And so they were laughing at us. You know, like if we were talking, they would try to get us together and stuff. But Kurt had no idea. And so we did end up talking. And then at, by the end, oh, and then we drove back to Budapest together and they made sure that we sat by each other in the car. That is so like funny. Mike Howard made sure I sat next to Kurt. Aww. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted us together. Yes. He has no idea. And then, you know, he asked, like, can we start writing? And I'm like, oh, okay. So we started writing letters, like handwritten letters. All right. Snail mail. Yes. You remember those years? Yes. So we did that for a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's happening while you're writing the letters? Well, he's not really disclosing too much about being interested. It was more it's a spiritual letters, really. Um, so I'm like, well, I don't think he's writing anyone else. He must be interested. You yeah. Know? And so then um, I, I went over. and So we wrote letters for a year. And then John Chubik and some Hungarians were going to um, Poland to visit Kurt. And they're like, you know, you, why don't we all go together? So we went. So we went for a week. And then finally, at the end of the week, Kurt said he was interested and would like to pursue a relationship. And so then we're like, wow, he's in, you know, Poland. I'm in Hungary. I don't even have a telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how is this going to happen? So we decided like we that I would go there for a five-week visit mm-hmm. and um, stay with one of the girls in the church. And so when I got there, everybody knew why I was there. Do you know what I mean? So yes. Everybody in the church is watching us and they're seeing, are they going to get married? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't um, a normal kind of relationship, I would say, you know, where you just get to know each other. It's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And then the last night I was there, December 3rd, he asked me to marry him. The, and then I'm on the train the next day going back to Hungary and it's my birthday, December 4th. And so oh. I have this w- ring on oh. and, um, you know, um, then I get off and yeah, then um, I went back. I, I closed out everything there. Armando and them are like, oh, yes, just go. <laughs> like we, you, you know, you just get married. So that I came back and planned the wedding. And then we were married like three months later. All right. Now, how were your parents with all this? You know, actually, they knew about him because I had told them and then he called them even though he'd never met them and asked my dad's um, permission and blessing. Wow. And so he had already done that. Um before he asked me. So they, they were very happy for me. Now, when yeah. did you know that you were interested and you were falling in love? When did that happen for you? Um, I When we were writing the letters. Mm-hmm. like, And um, it wasn't like I got, you know, he didn't give me a lot of um, encouragement. Like mm-hmm. it was just more very, it was like more like a Jim Elliott. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Right. I, he's right. very much like that. Yes. He's very um, committed to what mm-hmm. he does. And so um, I had to like, Just like, okay, you know, this is okay. I'm sure he's interested. And Uh then, um, but God gave me um, a piece about it. And even right before we were going to get married, he was not sure because he was, I mean, we're already engaged, Uh we're planning the wedding. And he's like wondering if he can serve the Lord um, more as a single. Uh So I just had to like walk through it and just like take God's promises. And I knew that it was going to happen. And it did. You know, which is like the rest of us who are in the stateside yes. and we're finding out about this. We're like, no way. This is awesome. You know, because we know how much you love Jesus and yeah. how committed you are. I mean, you went there as a single woman, not looking for a husband, but looking to serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he goes over there as a single guy, not looking for a wife, but looking to serve Jesus. And you just like oh, that is like truly a match made in heaven. 
So that was so exciting. So tell me a little bit about serving in Poland. Because you went from Hungary. Mm -hmm. Let me just say this. Hungary was fruitful. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And then you go to Poland. Oh, yeah. That was a big (laughs) transition. That Mm -hmm. was almost uh, harder in Mm -hmm. some ways than um, going from America to Hungary for me. Not because of being married or anything, but the work. Mm -hmm. You know, I went from this, like people like want, like we'd go on the street and Mike would, Howard would do, you know, like a, a, a concert or something and people would be getting saved and we'd be just talking to people and um, they would be asking, who is this Jesus? Then we mm-hmm. go to Poland and which is very um, religious and people didn't want anything to do with religion. And so I went from a very fruitful like women's ministry, children's ministry, drama ministry to like, I would do the same Bible study and the women would just look at me, hmm. you know? And so I just stopped teaching the women there. And it was just in that place in the, because Actually, a lot of those women had liked Kurt before that. Oh, yes. And so they weren't yes. going to really receive from me. Yes. So then when we moved from Lublin, where we originally were, to another um, uh, city, then I started teaching again. I just saw that it wasn't very fruitful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that people in the States don't realize, because the first time I spoke in Hungary, um, the women had really liked Brian, and he had gone, my husband, and mm-hmm. he had gone over there without me. Uh-huh. And then when I came up, they were like, no. I mean, they weren't very happy to see me. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, one of them, I think it was Ildi, told me that the Hungarian women and women behind the Iron Curtain had only known about American women through television. And so they thought that most women in the States, America, were like Dynasty. Oh, okay. Because Dynasty was like an international program. That was mm-hmm. the one with uh Joan Collins mm-hmm. and Linda Ryan, and then you know, and then they meet me, and I couldn't wear makeup that whole week because of the conditions of the place we were staying. It's like, <laughs> and then I had to wear the same outfit because it was so cold. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it has the way of bridging those gaps. Um, I and so I can see where they were like, oh, we want a Kurt. <laughs> you know, yes. We were hoping to marry Kurt. All right, so now you're in Poland, and I remember you sharing. In Austria, a conference we both attended one time, how hard it was just to learn the language. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, for me, you know, I'm not like really quick with languages, but um, and then there, it, the grammar is really difficult. So um, I just started meeting with a gal and then having coffee with her. And then, you know, I just came after a while. But um, like language classes, um, I did some, but mostly it was just meeting with one gal. And actually, I just found out she passed away. No, so and she wasn't. Yeah. She was my age, so oh, I was wow. really sad. I mm-hmm. know, but um, yes. So I, you know, then I could converse with people. Okay, yes. so tell me a little bit about the experience of having your first child on the mission field. Oh well, that was really difficult because um, well, the other three were in a different um, city, and mm-hmm. that went much better. But the first one was really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. That's a whole nother story. But um, tell it. Okay. <laughs> it. Okay. So I knew, like, I was reading books about, like, because there was no internet back then. And mm-hmm. I, so I kind of right. knew what was happening. They were saying, oh, have a birth plan and all this. And I'm kind of laughing because I'm expecting, like, mm-hmm. they're not going to tell me anything. They're just going to do what they want. So I was ready for all that. And it was hygienic. Mm-hmm. And it was clean. I mean, it was clean and it was like a good doctor. So I knew all that. So I'm like, well, people can have babies in Africa. But when I had Abby, our oldest, she's 24 now, 
it was such a bad experience because they were overstaffed. It was around Christmas. She was born December 30th, and um, the doctor was great. Um, but then he, um, I, you know, and I had told Kurt before we went in, like, the worst would be to push and everything and then have a C-section. Well, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But And so he was with me the whole time. But once I went to have the C-section, they um, had him leave. And then a nightmare, <laughs> you know, because the nurses were, I woke up and there was five other women in my room. And my baby's over there. I don't even know if I have a boy or a girl. Oh, and my goodness. the nurses were not going to bring him. So actually my roommate brought Abby to me. And then I look and I'm like, oh, I have a little girl. So all by myself. And then oh the nurses were actually not nice. And yes. I had a much better experience with the other three. And so um, I asked the next day, like, because they brought me a bedpan to go to the uh-huh. bathroom. And then I asked the next day, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. And the lady's like, get up. And I'm like, okay, can you help me? And she pulled me straight up <gasps> instead of like ro- telling me yes. to roll over. That's right. Yes. Never asked her again. Yes. You know? And so it was just it was a difficult experience, but then the the other three were mm-hmm. were fine. I was at much better uh, hospital. But you know, even the faith and the willingness to have the second child. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of missionaries who would come back, and nothing wrong with it, but come to the states to have their children and then return to the mission field. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to have the children on the mission field, especially after the experience with Abby? Well, I just knew that. Um, God was with me. And mm-hmm. I, you know, even during that time, I just felt God was so faithful to see me through. It was difficult mm-hmm. for sure. But I knew like that it couldn't get worse than that. And I kept telling myself, well, people do it in Africa, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I just really felt like I wanted to do it there among the um, with the Polish people, mm-hmm. you know, not nothing wrong if people come back, mm-hmm. you know, had it been Cambodia where we were later, I don't think I would have. Do you know what I mean? Right. But Poland, it was, they had good care for the baby. Mm-hmm. Like Abby was well taken care of. I wasn't at the first place, <laughs> but the baby was. But Do they you know loved what I'm Abby. saying? Yes. Yes. So the baby was well taken care of. And I'm, of course, if something was happening, like if I was hemorrhaging, they would have been able to take care of it. Do you know what I'm saying? They just weren't nice. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so as you're there, um, what's the Lord doing in Poland? You moved from um, Lublin. Lublin mm-hmm. to? Radom. Rodham. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right, Rodham. And what did the Lord, you know, what was he doing in you? What was he doing in Poland at the time you were there? Well, you know, he was establishing us among the community. Our kids, so Abby was born, and then Olivia was born, and then we had two more. And it was— And their names, come on, you got to give them— Okay, two. yeah, so Olivia is our right. second, and then we have a son, John Mark, and then we have Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And um, what was really neat was that we just— lived among the Polish people, Mm -hmm. and we were among them, and they really accepted us. Do we see a lot of fruit? No, but now we went back like 10 years later, and it's like they are still walking with the Lord, and they're reaching out. So Mm -hmm. it was a very difficult time, but those people, you know, that we were able to disciple and spend time with. So it was actually our family was like— really used our kids because they went to the Polish public schools. They spoke Polish like— Perfect, right? And so then when I would show up, they would finally realize that Abby's not Polish. She's American because <laughs> they would hear my accent, you know, and they'd all look at it. So, um, yeah, they did. I think it was just being among the Polish people. We had people in our home all the time. You know, I think that's so um, important to say because I think, you know, living in America, we get this idea that of metrics being numbers, like mm-hmm. uh, judging success by numbers. And we forget about, you know, Paul said, you know, one, you know, one plows, one sows, 
um, and another reaps. You know, mm-hmm. one waters and another reaps. Mm-hmm. And you really had to go and you were plowing oh, yes. hard, hard ground. And as you said, they felt religious, you know, as far as like we resisted communism mm-hmm. and we paid the price. What are you going to tell us that we don't know? Right. Yeah, there was a lot of like the first thing that we were always asked, what do you think about Mary? Mm-hmm. What do you think yeah. about the Pope? Because the Pope was Polish at the time. Right, right, and right. And so, right. you I know, yes. um, but then once we got to like relationship with the people, they would start saying, wow, like, can you tell us why you do this? And like they would ask things about our family and why our kids actually listen to us. You know what I mean? And so it's like, well, actually, do you want to see like the Bible? And so we look in Proverbs and yeah, it was um, a lot of one-on-one discipleship. It mm-hmm. wasn't yeah, and Kurt's teaching. Right. I mean, his teaching's uh, amazing. And when we went back 10 years later, people were like talking about like, I remember when Kurt was teaching and this, I went out and I cried and I got saved. You know, so you're like, we didn't know this. No one told us this, so, you know, some of these things while we were there. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, how was uh, Kurt's Polish? Um, it was like mine, you know, I mean. <laughs> did we, he preach in Polish? He did not preach in Polish. He did better. I mean, he, he, he did better in English and it was, with an interpreter? With an interpreter. But I mean, like, oh, hanging out with people, people in mm-hmm. homes all the time. We spoke in Polish. Which is interesting because, you know, um, again, we tend to narrow the ministry to the proclamation on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But it's those private proclamations. It's mm-hmm. those relationships that, you know, the Lord uses mm-hmm. so incredibly. I want to ask just real quickly, what encouraged um Kurt to go to Poland. Now, how did that call come for Kurt? Well, that was really interesting because he was supposed to go over there with Dan Finfrock and oh, right. do the IBS, you right, know? Right, right, right. And so that's not irritable bowel syndrome. That it stands for inductive Bible study because <laughs> yes. people don't know. Oh, that's right. Inductive Bible yes. study, right. Good. Uh, it's a way to yes. study the Bible, right? Yes. And so he was supposed to go and he was going to be going over with um, Bud Stonebreaker. Right, right. And they did go together. Uh-huh. But then Dan, at right, like right before they, they already got their tickets, they went to your dad. Your dad gave them their blessing and everything. And then when he was going, um, when, right before he was going to go over with Bud, um, Dan had to back out for some reason. Um, something, I don't know, what came up. So they had their tickets and they were two young guys. And they, well, Kurt was like 20 six i think and bud was 18 oh, wow. and um they went together and they went to lublin like where they were supposed to do it and they got hooked up with some polish people and started teaching the bible and they wanted wanted them to stay now were laura and um were the andersons there when uh kurt first went there yes they were in prague mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and they had the international church right? yes and so we went there our first christmas we oh, yeah. spent time with the andersons i love those yeah all right i love those people so now so uh, Kurt was there, and so he had two years ahead. Of, so he was there two years without you, or three years before you. Three years. Three and years. I was at three years in Hungary. Mm-hmm. Was that hard that he knew it better than you, or was it just, and uh, you know, were you able to to adjust? Yeah, it wasn't. Um, I would say uh, Poland was a lot like Hungary, living condition wise. Right. You know, and. Um, uh, yeah, I just had to learn the language. And so, you know, I wasn't teaching the women anymore, so I had yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, and you made the decision, too, to put your children in school, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people wouldn't have done that. Yeah, we just really wanted our kids to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, uh, we sent them like to preschool for just a couple hours, just so they would learn some Polish before they started kindergarten. So they're like, well, you you know, you paid for the whole day. We're like, no, no, no. We just want them right two hours so they could learn the language. And I think that for us as a family, that was the best decision because it was like I dropping them off at school. You get to know the parents. Right. Yeah. It was really a culture like that. I think yeah. so too. You know, um, I wanna I wanna kind of pause here. And I want to come back um, next week to do it because this is only like part one of of all that the Lord's um, done. And I want to talk about where you went next. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about where you are now mm-hmm. and what the Lord's doing in this season of life. Because how, now, how, how old was Abby when you left Poland? Um, she was in middle of seventh grade so fourth seventh grade yeah mm-hmm. because what you're about to do to me is radical uh, when we come back you know you know hearing about you guys moving from Poland to Cambodia was like oh my goodness so come back next week because part two put your seatbelt on it's gonna get exciting we'll be speaking to you then with part two with Kindle Kula for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at www wk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.